Hey everyone, this is Joseph Bosco, pastor of Highway Church. Thanks for joining us on our podcast. You know, all of us need the right kind of voices in our lives. Voices that inspire us to know the one who made us. Voices that awaken our divine destiny and reveal to us the goodness of God. Well, that's what this ministry is all about. So enjoy the message. Father, we surrender our heart to you. It's Sunday. It's the first day of a new week. And we remember that it was on the first day of the week that you whipped the devil, that you defeated death, that you stripped every principality, that you made a, a, a public display of their defeat in the realm of the Spirit. And we remind ourselves that because you defeated the devil, so did we that you became our victory and that he has nothing in us, that he is a defeated foe, that all that he can do is attempt to deceive us, try and get us to believe his lies. But we thank you, Father, for your spirit in us, revealing Christ to us in every area of our lives and exposing the lies of the enemy in our lives. We thank you, Father, that we see clearly today because of your spirit. We thank you, Father, that we know your voice. The voice of a stranger we will not follow. You are leading us. You are moving us forward by your spirit. And I thank you, Father, that we don't have to be discouraged because maybe we don't feel we've made the progress we should have made by this point in time. But we give that to you because we know that you're greater than our mistakes. You're greater than our perceived lack of progress. And we thank you, Father, <laughs> that, that you do what you do so well. Even in the midst of, of failed attempts and mistakes, we, we begin to worship you and trust in you. And the day comes, we open our eyes, and all of a sudden, we're where we wanted to be all along. And it was you who did it. Help us to take our eyes off of our own efforts to get our mind on you and to rest in the abundance of your grace and the gift of your righteousness. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. We're starting a, a new series today called Heaven in You. Heaven in You. And we want to encourage you that um, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, Christ himself came to live in you in the person of the Holy Spirit. You have the same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead in you. Certainly the last thing that Satan will want you to know is that the Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is living in you, but it's true. And during this series, we want you to grow stronger in this reality, that you would know that Jesus did not come so that you could go to a geographical location called heaven, he came so that heaven could be abiding, living in you all your days. 
and um, some have have believed that um, Christianity is about getting to heaven, and I understand that. And heaven is a very real place. It is a very real. I was going to say geographical. I say heavenographical area because it's beyond the earth. It's not geo. It's heaven. Spiritographical. I don't know how you say that, but anyway, it's it's. It's beyond this natural earth. It's in a different dimension. But nothing is more real than heaven. And you can take all of the most wonderful experiences you've ever had in your life and, and multiply them to the 10,000th power, and they pale in comparison to the joy you're going to experience when you are literally in heaven. And uh, we are living in the last days, and the next event that is to take place is the rapture of the church. And we, uh, we know that uh, the, the apostles wrote about the spirits of the Antichrist that are in the earth. So the spirit of the Antichrist is in the earth, but the Antichrist himself has not yet been revealed. He cannot be revealed until we're taken out of the earth. So the, the scriptures in the New Testament teach us that we are a barrier for him. That as long as the church is in the earth, he cannot do what he wants to do. He cannot reveal himself. But once we are raptured, then the Antichrist will come forth. So we are, we are on the threshold of that. And I don't know how soon it will be, but it's coming. And I'm excited about that. But I say that because I want you to know... Uh, I, as we do this series, I would, li I would like a, a, a clearer, more vibrant picture of heaven to be formed inside of you. I mean, it, it's funny, you know, the way the cartoons partic per, uh, depict it or the greeting cards or paintings. And, and, but it's, it's beyond really what we can comprehend. We're talking about unhindered God. No darkness, no disruption to his plan and purposes, no roadblocks, just pure light and life and joy. And what's amazing about God, now we all know that we have gifts inside of us and that we have things that he's called us to do in this earth. Those gifts don't go away when we go to heaven and we don't just, you know, stand around playing a little harp. No, they... They go into a whole new dimension and realm. The gifts that are in you now and gifts you don't even know about yet will unfold in you. And God will have wonderful things for you to build and to explore and to apply yourself to. And, I mean, it's fun. I, I just, I, I like doing projects when I get a chance around the home. If you, you own a home, you know you always you got a project to do. But it's, uh, yeah, when I get a chance... Uh, but it's satisfying when you do a home project and it works, right? It's like, oh, that feels good. But that's a part of us. We're made in the image of God. There are things inside of us to do and to build. But that doesn't go away in heaven. There are whole new worlds in heaven. Whole new cities and realms and dimensions that we haven't even imagined yet. And God has a plan for you there. We're training for that now. We make the mistake of thinking that this is what it's about. <laughs> you know, our, our job here, that's just the very beginning. So we're, I want you to see yourself in, in uh, training 
for the, the total unveiling of you. And you will be so satisfied and so excited about the moments in front of you. It will be unlike anything you've ever imagined. So there will be, uh, you will never be bored in heaven. It won't, the thought won't even ever enter your mind. The idea of, boy, I wish I had something to do won't even ever show itself again. The idea that I'm not doing what I should be doing will never enter your mind. You'll be fully engaged in, the, in everything you were made to do. Wow. It's very exciting. The, the fullness of you in the presence of the fullness of God and all of the countless souls that have gone before us throughout the centuries and all of the cities and buildings and, and roadways and mountains and rivers and oceans and worlds. and It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. It's good to think of heaven. It's good to think of heaven because it's your home. That's where you're from. You're born of heaven. And when you're born again, when you put your faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit makes your spirit brand new. And heaven is now living in you. Hallelujah. You can see, you'll get glimpses of heaven as you walk with the Holy Spirit. He will unveil your home to you. heaven in you. Now, some say that the idea of heaven in you or, or um, Christ in you or the Spirit of God in you is not proper theology. I don't know where they get that from. Well, I do know where they get that from. It's not from God. <laughs> but I want you to know that God himself is in you. And he desires for you to personally experience him today and this afternoon and tonight and tomorrow morning and tomorrow afternoon and Tuesday at 3.30 p.m. He wants you to experience him. He wants your life to be a continually growing experience of him where you're getting stronger with each breath. just got stronger, right? Every inhale and exhale, you're, you're getting stronger. You're seeing him more clearly. None of us see him perfectly clearly, right? None of us have arrived, but we're on our way. And it's his desire for you to know him more, to experience him more, to grow more in him every day. Now, not only... Does God want you to experience him? But when Jesus was on earth, let me ask you a question. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, was that the Old Testament or the New Testament? Wrong. If you said New Testament, it's wrong. <laughs> I know it's physically in your Bible under the New Testament, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But technically, the ministry of Jesus was under the Old Testament. He was ministering as an Old Testament prophet. The New Testament could not be put into effect. Testament means covenant, right? The new covenant couldn't be put into effect until he rose from the dead and presented his blood 
in the Holy of Holies in heaven. So really, it's the, it's the very end of the Gospels, right, in the book of Acts where the New Testament begins. But in his Old Testament ministry, before he rose from the dead, Jesus talks of the kingdom of God as a now reality. It was very real to him, and he wants it to be very real to us. Not as a, gee, I hope I go there someday, but as his kingdom is in me now. The kingdom of God is in me now. What does that mean? Wholeness in your body. Kingdom of God in you now. Wholeness in your body. It means a sound mind. It means uh, healthy emotions. It means not overreacting, not underreacting. Let's look at what Jesus said about the kingdom of God in us. We'll look at a, a couple of scriptures here. Let's go to Mark chapter 1. It's important to understand when you're reading the Bible, uh, where, what, what you're reading, did it happen before the resurrection or after the resurrection? Very important to understand that. If it was before the resurrection, then it's not the day we're living in now. Okay? Before the resurrection or after the resurrection. Now, it's also important to understand the role of the person of Jesus when he was ministering. Okay? He was the Lamb of God, but he didn't become the Lamb of God until he went to the cross. Now, I know he's always the Lamb of God, but he was in different roles for different times. When he was ministering... At about the age of 30, he was revealing himself as the Son of God. As, as, as a man walking in relationship with his Father. The Son of Man, he actually called himself. He was demonstrating to us what our relationship with the Father is to be like. Important to understand that. Some would get upset. You're saying, You're saying Jesus was a man? Yes. I know he was God. Well, how can he be God and man? He was all God. He was all man. That's what God did. When he conceived him in the womb of Mary by the power of the Spirit. I don't know how God did it, but he did it. Right? He, he transformed his son into a, a baby that needed diapers. I don't know how that happens, but he did it. It's good to accept what God did and not argue with it. Right? So Jesus, as a man was demonstrating to the world around him what, what life is to be like when the kingdom of God is in you. Now we're living after that day, after the resurrection, the kingdom of God is now in us. Now we do what Jesus did. In Mark chapter 1, this is after Jesus came out of the desert being tempted by the devil. And he whipped him on every turn. And you remember how he did it? With his hard copy Bible, right? <laughs> With the scriptures. Every time the devil came against him, he said, it's written. Right? That's all the devil needs to hear, and he's done. You don't have to jump up and down and shout and throw punches and give him a roundhouse kick. Just, say, just quote the word. Declare that it's written. He knows it's written, but when he sees that you know it's written, he's done. Right? When he sees that you know it, 
then he can't move any further in your life. So Jesus comes out of the desert after whipping the devil by declaring the word of God, setting an example for us. We whip the devil in the same way, right? After John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee. Did I tell you that was verse 14? Mark chapter 1, verse 14. Preaching the good news of God. Every time you see the word gospel in your Bible, say good news. That's what it means. Now you need to dereligify that word. People think the gospel is some philosophy of man. No, we're talking about the good things that God wants to tell you. Good, the good things that God wants to tell you that heal your body and set you free. That's the good news. That's the gospel. Preaching the good news of God, all of the wonderful things God sent his son to tell us, and saying the time is fulfilled. Here it is, here I come, Son of God, Son of Man, all in one. And the kingdom of God is at hand. When something's at hand, you touch it, right? That's close. Can't get any closer than that. Well, you can when it's inside of you. But this is a figure of speech. He's saying it's close to you because I'm here. I'm bringing the kingdom of God into the earth. I'm the doorway. Here comes the kingdom. Change your thinking every time you see repent in the Bible. Dereligify that word and, and, and you say change your thinking. Right? Change your thinking and believe the good things that I'm going to tell you. That's what the gospel is, the good things that Jesus told us. What's the gospel? The good things Jesus told us. Someone asks you what the gospel is. What's the good things that Jesus told us? It's all of the good news that God sent his son to tell us. And, and he's starting with the kingdom of God is here. That's good news. That means no matter what situation you might currently be in, your deliverance, your answer is here. Now, verse 14 in the Passion Translation says this. Later on, after John the Baptist was arrested, Jesus went back into the region of Galilee and preached the wonderful good news of God's kingdom realm. God's kingdom realm. His kingdom's all around us, but you access it through faith in Christ. All right? The wonderful good news that God's kingdom realm is here. His message was this, at last the fulfillment of the age has come. All of creation, every prophet, every forefather was waiting for this day, for the manifestation of the Son of God in the earth, for the Messiah to come. Here it is. The fulfillment of the age has come. It is time for the realm of God's kingdom to be expanded. Experienced. Let's say that line together. It's time for the realm of God's kingdom to be experienced. Let's say it again. It's time for the realm of God's kingdom to be experienced. Let's say it again. It's time for the realm of God's kingdom to be experienced a little bit. Sorry, I should have kept reading. In its fullness. 
Because Christ has come. That's what all of creation was waiting for. He came. He was in the earth. The times uh, fulfilled what the ages have been waiting for. And it's time for you today to experience the realm of God's kingdom in all its fullness. We're not talking about going to heaven. We're talking about experiencing God today. That means wholeness in your body, a healthy, strong body. See, if you're not convinced of this, you won't experience it. To believe is to be convinced. Faith is being totally convinced, absolutely sure. If you're not absolutely sure, you won't experience it. How do I become absolutely sure? I listen to the good things that Jesus told us about God, and I become absolutely sure because Jesus is the truth, right? Hallelujah. The message translation says it this way in verse 14. After John was arrested, Jesus went to Galilee preaching the message of God. What's the message of God? All the good things Jesus told us. The kingdom is at hand. God wants you to experience the fullness of his kingdom today. Time's up. It's here. The prophecy is fulfilled. Christ is in the earth. God's kingdom is here. Change your life and believe the message. Everything changes when I believe Christ has come. When I believe the kingdom of God is at hand and that through faith in Christ, the kingdom of God begins reigning in me. Hallelujah. Change your life and believe the message. God sent his son Jesus as his messenger, his deliverer, much like a UPS driver or a FedEx. He showed up in the earth to deliver the goodness of God. It's been delivered, it's here, and it's available to you right now. Now, in Luke chapter 17, after Jesus just heals 10 lepers, cleanses them, they depart. Only one of them, who's not one of, uh, one of God's people, returns to give thanks and praise to God in Luke chapter 17. Jesus says, were there not 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? And the only one that's returned to give me praise is the foreigner. I want to let that happen to me. I'm going to praise him and thank him for all that he's done. I'm going to take my place in his family and say, thank you, Father, for saving me. Thank you, Father, for doing what you've done in my life. Thank you for your goodness showing up in every area of my life. Thank you for cleansing me with the blood of your son, Jesus Christ. And I give you praise for it. And, of course, the the religious folks don't like healing. They, they don't want to see it. They want to criticize it. So they're getting mad at Jesus. And, and uh, verse 20 in Luke chapter 17, now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, with your systems of religious tradition.
The New American Standard said the kingdom of God does not come with signs to be observed or with your careful observation. In other words, with uh, your own reasoning, with your five senses trying to figure it out, with your own wisdom trying to determine when the kingdom of God is going to come or where the kingdom of God is. It can't come that way. You won't experience it that way. Verse 21 says, uh, nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. Life really is all about the heart, isn't it? That's what he's talking about. If you want to experience God's kingdom, invite God to be Lord of your heart. Believe in your heart in who I am and what I'm doing. And you'll experience the kingdom. That's what he's trying to teach these religious experts, right? You don't have to, to go over your notes and, and, and try and figure this out with your own wisdom. Believe in me and you'll experience the kingdom of God. Are you following me? He's so good. Isn't he good? This helps us understand Romans chapter 10, verses 6 through 10. This was the message the New Testament church began to preach. The message of the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ. The kingdom of God. The, 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 the glory of God. The, the kingdom of God made available to man through faith in Christ. In Romans chapter 10, verse 6, it says, But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend into heaven? What do they do? There's, that, there's those five senses trying to figure it out. That natural reasoning. Right? I'm going to figure out how to be saved. I'm going to figure out what's right and wrong. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come up with a solution to this thing. Right? Don't say in your heart who will ascend into heaven. That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who will descend into the abyss. That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what, in other words, Christ did what needed to be done in order for the kingdom of God to be in you. It wasn't our efforts. It was his finished work. Chapter 8, but what does it say? The word is near you. Sounds like Jesus coming out of the desert. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is within you. The word is near you. John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The word is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, made whole, delivered, set free. That's what that word means. Sozo, whole, delivered, set free, prosperous. For with the heart... One believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Uh, people have been told that that's about going to heaven, and it's not. It's about experiencing God today. It's about experiencing the kingdom of God in your life now. How do I experience God's kingdom? It's about my heart and my mouth. All I've got to do is employ my heart and my mouth, right? It's that simple. Just two things I need. I need to speak with my mouth Jesus as Lord. 
and I didn't believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. Now, I know this is taught as a, as a recipe for going to heaven, and certainly if you do this, if Jesus is your Lord, heaven is your home, and you'll be there. But I want you to think of this as a, a way of, of enforcing the kingdom of God in your current situation. In your current situation, whatever you need, whatever is coming against you, I do this regularly. I will say, Jesus is Lord. I'll speak right to that thing. If it's my body, if it's a situation, if it's a financial issue, whatever it is, I'll say, Jesus is Lord. And what am I believing? That when he rose from the dead, he defeated poverty. When he rose from the de dead, he defeated sickness. When he rose from the dead, he defeated depression. When he rose from the dead, he defeated uh, all darkness, anything that could ever come against me, that I'm a new creation in Christ. When I See, you have, to, you have to understand what it's saying here. I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord. In other words, no, he's the authority in my life. Amen. Satan, you have no room to operate here. This is not about me trying to get more holy so Satan can do less in my life. This is about me being holy now because Jesus did what he did and I'm his brother. Satan knows that. Do you know that? I am his co-heir. I'm an heir with Christ. When you say Jesus is Lord, this is what you're doing. You're enforcing your co-heirship. Yeah. I want you to see this as a now declaration. You do have to enforce the authority of Christ in your life because we're living in enemy territory. Even though the kingdom of God is here, Satan is the God of this world. He stole it from Adam, but through Christ, he's not the God of your life. Right? He's not the God of your things. He's not the God of your home. Because once you accept Jesus Christ, you're taken out from, out from that darkness and you're brought into the light of Christ. You're brought into the love and the joy and the redemption of Christ. But you've got to say it regularly. You've got to look right at whatever it is that's been making you afraid and you've got to stare it down and say, Jesus is Lord. He's my brother. I'm a co-heir with Christ. I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, and you will not operate in my life anymore. I was, it wasn't too long ago in my life. Now, I grew up very sick, a lot of different things, but these symptoms started to try and come back. And, I mean, I, you know, I spent 20-some years dealing with those symptoms, so they were, very, they were very familiar to me. They're not anymore. But the enemy was trying to get me to, to, to uh, refresh my memory, so to speak. And I had to stand up and say, wait a minute. That's not me anymore. That's not me anymore. I don't allow this in my life. I've been redeemed from that. I don't allow this anymore. Jesus is Lord. I want you to see verses, this go, saying Jesus is Lord and believing he rose is the same thing. In, one, in other words, it's all tied together. It's all connected. If I say Jesus is Lord, I don't understand that he's the resurrected one, if nothing's going to happen. 
In other words, the power of his resurrection is in my decree. <laughs> the power of his resurrection is in my mouth. The power of his resurrection is in your mouth. See what happens when you stop seeing the word as some little religious formula and you realize this is, this is life. This is the kingdom. So I stood up and I said, because I was busy working, doing some things. And, and you know, sometimes I work and I don't even think about something. After 10 minutes, I said, wait a minute, what is this? Hey, wait, wait a minute. Wait, hold the phone. Uh-uh. I'm redeemed from this. This is not allowed in my life anymore. And I began to just worship God, and I began to declare the resurrection life of Christ. Jesus is Lord. The resurrection authority of Christ is all over me. And maybe 10, 15 minutes later, gone. And just went back on with my day. What would have happened if I would have listened to the enemy? Oh, wow, yeah, this, I remember this. This is exactly how it felt. It's coming back. Yeah. Oh, no. I could have gone that way. That was the temptation to accept this package, right? To accept what Satan was trying to bring back into my life. No, the kingdom of God is in me. That changes everything now. Jesus is Lord of this house. Jesus is Lord of every uh, system in this house. Yes, he is. Jesus is Lord of every system in this house. You know, if you own a home, it's got a lot of systems. We've got eight heating zones, you know. And I was just looking at the pipes the other day. Oh, yeah, okay, where's that one go? I don't know, I can't tell. It goes up in the wall somewhere, right? Sometimes things are labeled, sometimes they're not. Well, your body has infinitely more going on than your house does. And Jesus is Lord of every system. He's Lord of every piece and part. He's Lord of every system. And he's a faithful Lord to watch over your house. You know, if you've got a house, especially if you have a, a pet and you go away, you've got to find someone to come and take care of the pet and sometimes watch the house because you've got things running and they need to make sure this is on and that's off, Right? Well, listen, God wants to be the steward of your house. He wants to be the Lord of your house. And, and he's a faithful Lord. So when you're going about your day doing the things you need to do, you don't have to be thinking about all the systems of this house. Hey, I've got a button unbuttoned. See that? How embarrassing. He's the Lord of this house. So I don't have to be concerned, okay, uh, what about my digestive system? Okay, what about my lymph nodes? Um, you know, what about my heart valves? What about my, my, um, the bones in my feet? What about? He's Lord of this whole house. He's Lord of this whole house. What's going on in my house? Light is radiating from my spirit into every system in my house. Steady, constant kingdom of God light is filling my body. That's Romans uh, 8.11, right? That if uh, he that raised Christ from the dead is uh, uh, living in you, the, wait, how's it go? 
the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is living you, then he that raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit, by his spirit in you, right? So understand the Holy Spirit is active. He never gets tired. He's not, you know, we're in a mortal body right now. We need to sit down and have an espresso, but he's not, he doesn't have to do that. He likes espresso, but he doesn't have to have one. You know what I mean? I, I can't wait for the cafes in heaven. I'm telling you right now. I can see my heavenly cafe right now. I got this golden stool right on the counter. I'm going to sit down with Jesus and have a double espresso, baby. And Dennis will be there too. Yes, that's right. But really, God, God never gets tired. So you go, oh, I forgot to do that. I forgot to, you know, focus my attention in that area of my life. God's got it. Isn't he a wonderful steward? A wonderful keeper of the temple. He's the keeper of your temple. And he's faithful to keep it well. He just needs you to believe. That's all he needs you to do. To believe that he's the faithful Lord of this temple. He's the faithful Lord of your temple. If you believe, you will speak to your temple. But you've got to speak to it. Speak to your feet. Tell your feet how strong and flexible they are. Come on, look at these toes go. Woo! Talk to your toes. Yeah, toenails too. Tell them how healthy they are and strong. Healthy, strong feet. Every bone in its place. Flexible, strong, fully moisturized. Hallelujah. Isn't this good? I hope you're receiving this. We're talking about the kingdom of God in you. The kingdom of God in you. The kingdom of God in you. Hallelujah. Jesus taught us that experiencing God is for today. Jesus taught us that wholeness, healing, is for today. Jesus taught us that God's very Spirit is for today. So that you would experience the abundant life He came to give you today. Man puts limits on this. God does not. You will not find one place where Jesus rebuked his disciples for believing too much. Not one. It's just the opposite. They were rebuked for being too believing too little or not at all. You see, people don't understand it, but when they start criticizing this kind of good news, they're really yielding to spirits of darkness. Satan is trying to keep you from believing what Jesus said. And he wants to put everything Jesus said and done into some untouchable box that's over here that's for some future day and no one knows when. But the reality is Jesus is not in a box. He's risen and he's living in you. You're his temple. And today is the day to experience all that he did for you. 
Don't let anyone put limits on what Christ did for you. Don't let any preacher, any minister, any authority, any professor, any teacher, any parent put limits on what Christ has done for you. Everything, all things are possible to him who believes. With God, nothing shall be impossible. This is Jesus talking. I'm going with Jesus. Let's go to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. Don't let anybody put limits on what God has done or is showing to you. People act as if being whole is, is the ultimate goal, and that happens in heaven someday. Listen, we're in living in mortal bodies. I understand that. But he provided health for our mortal bodies all of our days. That's not the fullness of the gospel. Okay, that's we're, heaven, we're talking about a glorified body. I mean, forget it. I'll put Captain America to shame when I get to heaven, baby. We're talking about a glorified body. We see that in Jesus when he rose from the dead, right? The, his disciples are afraid, locked in the home, and he walks right through the walls. That's a glorified body, a body that has no limitations in the physical realm. All right, now, we're not saying that's what you have right now. Don't, we're not talking about something, you know, that's for a later date. You do not have your glorified body yet. But you have a mortal body that's full of glory. <laughs> and it's a glory that will keep you well. Okay? Understand what I'm saying? Mark chapter, did I say five? That's a good one. Let's go to five. Eight, two, I'll get there. All right. Five. Come on, five. Where are you? There we go. Mark chapter five. All right. I love this. I, I just, I, I, I can't get enough of Jesus. I encourage you to just read him. I mean, the Mark chapter 5 is just amazing. You want to talk about a, a man in bondage. It begins, we'll get to 21 in a second, but it, it, God speaks to Jesus. And, you know, he was led by the Spirit everywhere he went. And he leads them to the, the country of the Gadarenes. And, and you think, you think you know what bondage. This man was in such bondage by darkness, he, 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 he went around naked. I don't see anyone doing that here, right? And he, he couldn't be in civilized society. They chained him, and the demons inside of him were so many, he'd break the chains, and he'd just be cutting himself and tormented every day. That was this man's life. Don't let anyone put limits on the deliverance that God has for you. Jesus had deliverance for this man, and that's exactly what Jesus did in the beginning of Mark chapter 5. Hallelujah. Well, let's start reading. In Mark chapter 5, and when they came over, I'm sorry, I'm going to go to verse 1. When they came over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes, and when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tomb a man with an unclean spirit. We find out later that it was many unclean spirits, right? Who had his dwelling among the tombs. Talk about bondage. That's where, de that's where the devil wants to take you, to the graveyard, right? 
to the dead things, to the depressing things, to the, the, the lying things, the anxious things, the worrisome things. That's his area. That's where he operates. No man could bind him, no, not with chains. Because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him. He just broke them off. That's supernatural power. That's spiritual darkness. You know, demons have supernatural power. It, nothing compared to God. Nothing compared to God. So if you see something supernatural happen, it doesn't mean that it's God. How do I know? Is it life and life abundantly? Or does it lead to further torment? So these chains weren't being broken so they could be set free. He was just, he was just tormented. Having to fit, he'd break them and he'd cut himself with them. And just, he, there was no freedom in this. There was further torment. In fact, they were chaining him to try and keep him from hurting himself and hurting others, right? That's, that's the kind of bondage this man was in. Hallelujah. Because they had broken in pieces, and uh, broken in pieces, neither could any, any man tame him. And always night and day, that's 24-7, he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. Whew. He saw Jesus afar off and he ran and worshipped him. Now here's something that will encourage you. Here's a man we find out later that was full of a legion of demons. That's thousands but even though he was in such bondage, he could still exercise his will to praise the Lord. How powerful is your will? A legion of demons can't stop you from saying yes to him. <laughs> you can't lose if you'll just open your mouth and say what Jesus says. He worships him. He cries out with a loud voice. Now the demons are talking. What do I do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure thee by, uh, by the God that thou, don't, don't, don't bother me. Right? Don't torment me. He said, come out. And I, I want to get to the following in this. He said, come out. And he asked them their name, and they said, Legion. My name is Legion, for we are many. I want to try and get to verse 21 here. So he besought them, uh, uh, he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. And we're going to jump down to verse 21 just for time's sake, okay? Uh, but in verse 15, you know what happened? Jesus cast the legion out of this man. The legion goes into a herd of swine. See, de demons are looking for any warm body they can possess in this world because they, they don't have a physical body. They can't operate like they want to operate in this world. If they can get into something and bring destruction, they'll do it. That's what they, you understand the realm of the spirit, okay? Spirits are looking for bodies in this realm so they can accomplish their goal. Now, angels are looking for bodies that are full of the Holy Spirit that speak the word of God so they can act on that word and minister to God's sons and daughters. Demons are looking for vacuums, holes, empty places, depression, dark things, that they can begin speaking to that person and, and get an avenue into that person's life and ultimately, if they're allowed, take control of that person's life. Not full control, but a lot of control. 
right? But we're not going to let that happen, right, to us or our friends, right? Because we're full of the kingdom of God. We're exposing the enemy's plans everywhere we go. The light of Christ is radiating through us, exposing the enemy's plans in people we meet. So be, keep your mind on the kingdom of God in you. I have a feeling this week there's going to be some of you that are out doing what you normally do, and you're going to meet someone, and the Holy Spirit's going to illuminate something to you that's going to help someone see something they couldn't see before. Hallelujah. So in verse 15, here's this man. He's sitting. He's clothed. Hallelujah. Right? He's got, and I'm sure they were nice clothes, too. And he's in his right mind, and the people are afraid. They're in awe. They knew what this guy was about. And then they, they begged Jesus to leave. I don't know about you. I'd say, can you just uh, live in my house, please? Right? I'll do, you know, you've you're, you're become a permanent resident. We're giving you the key to the city. That's not what they did. They wanted him out of there. They don't know how to handle it, right? Uh, so anyway, let's get to verse 21. That's where we wanted to go. Don't let anyone put limits. You're never too far for God. You're never too far gone for him. You're never too far gone for him. You're never too far gone for him. A legion of demons can't keep you from coming to God, can't keep you from being free. Hallelujah. Don't let anyone put limits on what God wants to do in your life. So in verse 21, just so we gave you a little background there. Verse 21, when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh out of the rulers of the synagogue Jairus by name, excuse me, one of the rulers, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, that's what happens when you see Jesus, right? You just, you just begin to worship. He's so good. And besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lies at home, uh, excuse me, lies at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him. That's because it's his will to heal. Right? We know that. We don't let anybody tell us different. We're convinced of that. Jesus demonstrated that to us over and over again. It's his will for you to be well. Jesus went with him. Much people followed him and thronged him. That wasn't pleasant. You know how crowds can be. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years, suffered many things of many physicians, had spent, imagine all the no's, the professional no that she got, right? All the expert rejection that this woman has experienced. It cost her all she had. And was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. Don't let anyone put limits on what Christ has done for you. When she had heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, what did she do? Romans 10, 9 and 10, right? She opened her mouth and she believed in her heart. Are you seeing that? And she experienced the kingdom of God. If I may but touch his clothes, he's the king, isn't he? I shall be whole. Straightway the fountain of blood... uh, Boy, I tell you, I don't think I'm going to get there. I was trying to get all the way to the end of the chapter. Let's see what we can do. The fountain of blood was dried up, and she felt in her house, right? She was healed of that plague. Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? This is Jesus operating as an Old Testament prophet. Why? He didn't know who touched him. 
God knows everything. I know Jesus was God, but you got to understand, he's operating as a son of man right now. He didn't know who touched him, which reveals to us how clearly it is his will, right? (laughs) Healing went out of his body. He didn't even know who it was. No one even asked. Just touch him, and all of his goodness will flow right through you. Hallelujah. His disciples said, you're loopy, Jesus, right? You're being thronged. What do you mean who touched you? He looked about and to see that, that who had done this and the woman fearing and trembling, knowing that she was done, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all she, he had done. And he said unto her daughter, your faith has made you whole. All of the rejection, all the failures, all that you've been through is over. You touched me, you're whole. Now, all this is happening. So this is, this is quite a day here, right? And as this is going on, the, 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 uh, there came from the ruler's house people that said to him, your daughter's dead. So this little uh, situation and the crowd throwing, it delayed Jesus from getting to the house in time. Don't let anyone put limits on what God wants to do in your life. It delayed Jesus from getting to the house on time. His daughter was on the point of death. I might have got mad at that woman who touched Jesus. If she wouldn't have touched him, we could have got to the house sooner and my daughter would still be living. I might have started getting mad at the crowd of people around him and started throwing some fists. Listen to me, when your faith is in Christ, you never have to get mad at people. Because the, the, the short-sightedness of the people around you cannot keep the God inside of you from showing himself through you. So here it is. I mean, these are friends, people that he knew. They're coming and saying, listen, your daughter is dead. Don't trouble the master any further. Many would close the chapter right there. Okay. We go home. We, we grieve. We try and make sense of this. You know, we talk to a minister who tells us God took our loved one away, which is all a bunch of garbage that doesn't have anything to do with God. God's never taken anyone's loved one away. He doesn't operate like that. He's a good father. But look at verse 36. Remember I said God is this, he never sleeps. He's always alert and fully perceptive. He's right there as these people come to Jairus and say, it's over. You've lost your daughter. She's dead. As soon as Jesus heard the word, that was spoken, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. Don't let anyone put limits on what Christ has done for you. Do not be afraid, only believe. Hallelujah. And he permitted no man, that's what suffered means in the King James, he permitted no man to follow him 
save Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. So he took the, the three disciples that were closest to him, and that's it. No one else could come in. And he goes into the house of the ruler of the synagogue. He sees the tumult. You can imagine they're weeping and wailing greatly. Why? Because they don't know how good God is. They've already had predetermined limits in their mind of what can and can't happen. Right? And when he was come in, he said unto him, Why make you this unto them, excuse me, why make you this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleep. And they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all out, he had to do it. These people need to go. This atmosphere in this place needs to change. There are people in here who don't know the kingdom of God is in their midst. They're not putting their faith in God. They're putting their faith in themselves and in their own wisdom and reasoning and what, is, and what they say is possible. They've got to go. Sometimes you have to clear your home, clear your current environment of unbelieving folks because there's work to be done in the kingdom. Hallelujah. So he, he took the father, the mother, they left him in the scorn. Um, and he entered into the damsel's room where she was lying. He took the damsel by the hand and said to her, Talitha kumi, which is being interpreted, damsel, I say unto you, arise and straightway the damsel arose and walked. She was the age of 12 years, and they were astonished with a great astonishment. And he charged them straightly that no man should know it and commanded that something should be given her to eat. Hallelujah. Now, this is impossible. The woman being healed from the issue of blood was impossible. The man being set free from a legion of demons was impossible. Don't let anyone put limits on what God can do in your life. When I began reading the Bible and back in 1989, it became apparent to me that Jesus is Lord. I began to change what I believed was possible. And thank God that that Holy Spirit continued to strengthen me and open my eyes because I've seen impossible things over and over again in my life. There is no limit to what God can do. There's no limit to what He can do. I'm just thinking of the time when our daughter uh, died. Right before her second birthday, she drowned. And uh, I, we were, we were uh, Jennifer was at the home. I was not, but couldn't find Dana. The, it, was, it was fall, and the doors were open, and she was just about two years old, a couple months shy of that. And she had run outside, and uh, Jennifer didn't see her and, and was busy doing things. We just moved into the home and didn't realize she was gone. It was who knows how many minutes later. Um, when she found Dana floating face down in our koi pond, uh, not moving. So you see a little two-year-old floating face down in a pond of water. Um, what is that telling you? Well, it depends on what you believe. It all depends. It all depends on what you believe, right? We had already decided before we ever had children, they will live the fullness of their days. They will live the fullness of their days. So there was no panic. Jennifer ran over to the koi pond. She grabbed Dan out of the koi pond. If I remember right, she described me. She picked her up, started shaking her, and started worshiping God. Started worshiping God. And what happened? Life came back into her body. Life came back into her body. She dried her off. She worshiped God. She brought her in and put on the heat lamp in the bathroom to warm her up. And she came back to life. Amen. Amen. 
heaven in you. Heaven in you. This is God's good news. I could stand here for a long time telling you about the things God's done in our lives. But things change. The limits are broken when you realize Jesus is living in you. The same Jesus that raised that little 12-year-old is living in my wife who raised that 2-year-old. Hallelujah. This is for today. It's for now. It's for you. It's for this moment. It's for an, an hour from now. It's for tomorrow. It's for next week. It's heaven in you. Father, we thank you for your kingdom in us. We are not orphans anymore. We've become your sons and your daughters, and we are living in you. You have become our home, and we are your people, your sons and daughters, new creations in you, and your kingdom is in us. And Father, we thank you for this day. This is the acceptable time. This is the day. This is the season of time that you made possible through the finished work of your son. And we will take full advantage of this day we're living in before we're raptured out of here to walk in the glory of your son, to believe everything you've said, and to allow your kingdom to, to manifest itself in our private lives, in our families, and everywhere we go. We are vessels of heaven. We are carriers of the kingdom. We are your sons and daughters. And Father, I thank you for this highway family. I thank you, Lord God, for everyone listening to this message. Here in the warehouse and those who are connected online, that heaven would become a reality to them. That they would realize that your kingdom is in them that they are yours and you are theirs, that you are their God, that they are co-heirs with Christ. And that as Jesus is, so are they in this world. Help us to take our place in this earth as your revealed sons and daughters. In Jesus' name. God is so good. We want to invite you to continue to grow in the knowledge of his goodness who He is, what He's done for you, and who you are in Him. Check out our websites at josephbosco.us and highwaychurch.us and begin living the abundant life He came to give you.